It's time for the Security Token Show. We're here to bring you the latest and greatest in security token news. Coming from across the globe to your living room. And delivering all the latest STOs and getting you up to date on what's happening in the market. So what are you waiting for? Let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Security Token Show. We're your hosts. I'm Herbert Codings. This is Kyle Solon. And we're here in sunny Miami, Florida. Excited to bring you all the latest and happening in tokenization news, Kyle. Wow, what a week, man. This is going to be a crazy episode, I'll tell you that much. It's all going down. I'm sure you heard about the lawsuits coming in from Binance, Coinbase. We're going to be breaking down what actually might happen if the fallout actually begins. We're not just going to break down the high level like everybody else. But before we dive into everything going on in the top five and the rest of the news this week, I wanted to thank our sponsor, which this week is the Providence Blockchain. Now, we've talked about Provident before because they are the blockchain that facilitates over $5 billion in home equity lines of credit on-chain by a company figure, the largest non-bank that issues home equity lines of credit, HELOCs, in the world due to the fact that tokenization allows them much better unit economics than what is seen in traditional markets. But Provident is much more than just a figure platform. They offer all kinds of institutional asset servicing for blockchain technology. And pretty cool, they're part of our success network with Security Token Advisors. And we're hosting a panel breaking down everything going on there with Anthony Morrow from their team alongside Peter Gaffney. You know him and love him very much, as do we. And that is on June 20th. You got to check that out coming up very soon. Thank you. Actually, learn a lot more about Providence with uh, our latest Q1 report that just came out. Regarding the industry, everything that's happening, lots by Providence. So thank you to our sponsors for making this show possible. And with that, let's get into our top five. Let's do it. And starting off our top five this week, we got to go over to India. Mm. India has got six major banks that have come together and partnered with JP Morgan. Uh, this is, of course, their Onyx blockchain side that is now powering 24 seven transactions instantly global Kyle what they said it used to take hours uh sometimes potentially overnight that's a problem when now you can have blockchain that does it instantly you got six huge banks all now working with JPM on this the future of blockchain is here folks also includes weekends which is that's two out of the seven days that 24 seven can have operating markets and into number four Israel also getting involved, this is a global industry, a global technology with the financial markets. And Israel is tokenizing bonds through their project Eden, which launched on May 31st. So it's now live in June. This is a few month trial period to issue what they're calling dummy bonds, which are security tokens. They say that specifically that are on a private blockchain where they're issuing those bonds on chain and then distributing out using central bank digital currencies in their native shekel, as well as many other different currencies that are interoperable. Between that, this is a smart contract intermediary. So they've actually built the technology and then you've got the government issuer on one side, you've got the investor on the other side, everything facilitated through a blockchain. This allows for much cheaper and automated transactions and an audit trail of everything using the VMware 
Ethereum subnets on a private blockchain. Pretty cool. Wow. That is an absolutely incredible development out of Israel. And moving on to number three, we got to talk about DeFactor, Kyle. Mm. Uh, they've tokenized, they're saying they're tokenizing $100 million worth of bonds. This will be lent out, uh, usually against receivables from small to medium enterprises. But that's 100 million tokenized bonds coming on chain. They call them alpha bonds. Uh, and actually, they're using Polygon, the ERC-3643 standard, using Black Manta Capital as their broker, and Tokeny as the issuance platform for the whole ordeal out of Luxembourg. Gotta love it. Plenty more uh, bonds that I imagine will follow that, Kyle. Big players getting involved. It's all about having the right vendors that control different parts of the life cycle. It seems like they've really knocked it out of the park. And then the number two, the SWIFT network. This is the global financial underpinning software that everyone uses for money transfers around the world, all the banks use for their interoperability, built famously in the 80s, which is nice, but maybe a little bit out of date. They recognize it too. Now they're launching an expanded pilot of distributed ledger technology and blockchain tokenization. They've already been exploring this with central bank digital currencies to explore fiat to fiat transactions. But now they're diving even further, bringing in over a dozen institutions working with public blockchains coordinated by Chainlink. And they're doing three different use cases. They're first, they're starting with Ethereum and they're doing wallet to wallet transactions just to test how that process works, how they can do that at scale. Then step two is to go from a public blockchain like Ethereum to a permissioned blockchain, like we see with a lot of these kind of broker co-syndication networks that happen on Wall Street all the time, where you have a private network of individuals that are all participating together, but they don't really want everybody to have insight into what's going on. And then finally, the third step is actually cross-chain integrations. How can we take assets from oh, yeah. an Ethereum permissioned blockchain and bring them to a different blockchain? They're working on all three of these trials right now with, as I said, over a dozen of the biggest banks. You'd recognize all the names. This is exciting stuff. Ah, it's big moves out of Swift out of there for number two, but it's not number one, Kyle. Mm. Number one, you should get familiar with the fact that Archax has announced that they've tokenized an interest in the actually the Aberdeen Standard Liquidity Fund uh, using the Hadera hash graph, which is actually apparently uh, also uh, Aberdeen is a council member of that. So makes sense, but a great use case because Hadera hasn't been on the scene that loud yet. This could be one of the biggest uh, plays that they are now tokenizing here. Uh, what well, I think it's a multi-billion dollar fund, Kyle. Very big deal. Archax eating their own dog food. Aberdeen actually invested in their Series A. So all of this makes sense. Love to see that ecosystem coming together so quickly. I believe they even mentioned more products on the Aberdeen side could be followed on that tokenization front. That is a $472 billion asset manager in Aberdeen getting involved in a very big way. And with that, let's get into Peter Gaffney and the rest of the institutional updates. Coming back to everyone with the institutional updates, I'm Peter Gaffney, head of research at Security Token Advisors, and we got a packed house this past week. So among numerous headlines and developments, the following are what really caught my attention. First, I want to give a round of applause to UK-based Archax for its recent work. So Archax actually raised $28.5 million in 2022 from names including the mammoth asset manager Aberdeen, put itself in motion. On June 7th, Archax actually begun the pilot program of trading tokenized FTSE 100 stocks, which includes the 100 largest companies on the London Stock Exchange, on the Polygon, Ethereum, and Algorand blockchains. And please note, this is not necessarily a tokenized ETF or index product, but rather Archax will be buying up an undisclosed amount 
of individual equity shares issuing tokenized versions of said securities. So Archax will also be doing the same for government bonds known as GILT as well and with the platform's FCA regulated trading and custody services to well positioned to act as that one-stop shop in London. Moreover, Archax is now doing something directly with Aberdeen, which is what I've been personally excited for and waiting to see uh, since that funding announcement last summer. In this case, Archax is actually tokenizing its own equity investment, its own existing investment in Aberdeen's flagship money market fund, the Aberdeen Standard Liquidity Fund. So Aberdeen's not yet coming live with the tokenized product per se, but rather Archax is going to make that happen by proxy with its own held shares. So similar approach to the aforementioned tokenized stock play. And we also get another tokenized money market sliver to add alongside Franklin Templeton and Ondo Finance, which we love to see and love to cover. Looking at the infrastructure side of things in the market, which is where a number of our security token advisors conversations have been lately with some of the largest legacy providers in the capital markets, transfer agents, infrastructure providers, whatever. Swift is now extending its trials for multi-blockchain transactions through Chainlink's cross-chain interoperability protocol, the CCIP. So great to see Chainlink take some footing here in the tokenization space. And nice to see some of the recurring names involved as test partners. You got BNP Paribas, City, ANZ Bank, BNY Mellon, and Lloyds. And on the central securities depository side, we have Euroclear, Six Digital Exchange, SDX, Clearstream, and even the DTCC itself. Swift has 11,000 member banks responsible for quadrillions of dollars in value flow, which is a ridiculous amount when looking at the potential for cost savings, considering a single digital bond proof of concept could save even 15 basis points. At scale, member banks are looking at tens of millions of dollars minimum in savings here. Incredible stuff. Can't ignore that. Just to wrap things up on the international front, JP Morgan's Onyx division is back at it, working with six Indian banks to instantaneously settle tokenized deposits rather than trudging through the multi-day process of interbank fiat transfers. And the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange revealed that it actually selected Barclays, JP Morgan, Goldman, Deutsche Bank, Merrill Lynch, and BNP Paribas for its successful product, Project Eden digital bond pilot executed on May 31st of this year. That's all we got for the institutional updates today. Let's see what Sam Sachs is doing over in the market updates. Hello and welcome to the market update. My name is Jason and we have an action-packed show today. After we saw Inegra Group's 55% collapse last week as quickly bounced back up, and so has the total security token market cap now trading at $16.6 billion. Rocks Equity, a private company registered in Alberta, Canada, is combining traditional energy and the emerging crypto experience as a way to contribute to Canada's economic recovery for the energy industry. The company is raising up to $20 million through an innovative exempt digital security offering, which will provide investors with diversified exposure to Bitcoin, natural gas, and electricity. The offering is part of the Brock strategy of purchasing natural gas assets to generate low costs and environmentally efficient electricity for its proprietary Bitcoin mining farms. Brock uses 50% of the power capacity that is generated at its sites to mine Bitcoin on its own account and offers the remaining 50% to independent or third-party Bitcoin mining companies. Brock has a strategic relationship with Permian Chain Technologies, the developer of a proprietary blockchain platform that brings together energy companies with crypto asset miners to transform the way energy is funded, produced, bought, and sold. The Brox digital security, known as the Brox token, is expected to be hosted on the Permian Chain platform. And it has been anything but a calm past seven days for Binance and Coinbase as the SEC has cracked down on both, suing each exchange for allegedly breaching its rules. 
The SEC last Tuesday alleged Coinbase traded at least 13 crypto assets that are securities and which should have been registered. While last Monday, it also accused Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, of offering 12 cryptocurrency coins without registering them as securities. The heads at both companies have fired back, alleging that the SEC is out of line and this battle is sure to have many more fireworks down the road. That's all for now, but have a great week, and we will be back next Monday with more news. And thank you, Peter, and this time, Jason, for filling in for Sam on that incredible update there. Uh, but Kyle, it's time to get into our main topic for the show. Huge, huge news. This could be some of the biggest activity out of the SEC that we've seen all year long. They have officially come out and gone after both Binance US and Coinbase once again. Uh, Kyle, but not they're not the same uh, um, cases. We're going to no. break down exactly the repercussions of what's going on between the two here. Uh, starting off with Kyle, let's go. Let's look at Coinbase. What's going on here? Set the stage. Right. So the SEC came out with some firecrackers this week, really trying to prosecute and and move forward with what everyone in the street is calling it Operation Choke Point 2.0. 1.0 is going against a lot of the banks that were facilitating crypto transactions and business practices. Now it seems like they're moving against a lot of the crypto companies that are really active in the industry. And they came out against Binance and then Coinbase in consecutive days, really trying to shut them down with, with big lawsuits. And so there are some really big differences here. We want to start with Coinbase because it's actually a little bit more tame. With Coinbase, Really, the SEC is just moving forward with their idea that all or most of the cryptocurrencies that are trading and transacting in the market right now are unregistered securities. They believe that these are essentially derivative products or synthetic derivatives that, that companies are using to fundraise for their operations, that investors probably believe that they're getting some exposure into the underlying company. And there's, there's an issue there with documentation, with how they're fundraising. And as Gensler would, would call it, these are kind of schemes or, or fraudulent manipulation of the existing markets. So Gensler and team came out against Coinbase saying you are operating an unregistered broker, an unregistered exchange, and an unregistered clearinghouse, essentially saying you're doing everything that an exchange would do with none of the licenses. I don't care that you don't think that these are securities. We believe they are. And since we believe they are, you're doing these practices. That's kind of the gist of the Coinbase thing. You want to shed a little color there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that was a great setup here. The result is now that they are asking a cease and desist by Coinbase on their staking activities that they consider, again, unlicensed, uh, not proper, uh, as well as you pointed out there that they actually named a list of uh, what coins specifically, not limited to this list, of course, naturally want to give themselves coverage, but they identified several tokens, uh, cryptocurrencies that are trading through Coinbase that they consider securities that they have not themselves actually gone after yet yeah. uh, from a securities violation perspective. So very, very interesting. One of them, including uh, Polygon, which we talked about in our top five, is a blockchain that a bunch of banks are using to actually issue tokenization on top of. Kind of a big deal. It's all yeah. interconnected in this way. And as a result, you know, Let's talk about naturally. I what think might happen, happen, right? Yeah, we're going to expect Coinbase to fight. They've made that very clear. But the reality is, is we're going to talk about what happens if the SEC gets its way, more or less, right? For example, 
Now they are going to have to actually activate that ATS that they have under their belt. It's called, I believe, Keystone. They might have reconverted it to the Coinbase ATS. Exactly. But the problem is none of that process actually got them permission from FINRA to start trading what we would call digital asset securities in their reference for the SEC, which is the license that you actually need in order to go ahead and trade these. They'd have to apply for that process and open that for, for those securities. One would hope that the SEC might, you know, settle and maybe fast track or, you know. We did see Prometheum uh, get approved for this very thing. Yep. So there's, there's potential ways that there could could be some grandfathering or there could be some, some potential where we could at least see them get that license pretty quickly, which would be great. What else? Um, We got the fact that now, of course, their staking services actually would be requiring a prospectus. They're offered to retail investors. So you actually need to, of course, register these products. That means all kinds of disclosures, the issuers themselves being involved, maybe kind of tricky when it comes to dealing with some of these foundations and structures and the way that some of these you know, uh, coins are essentially set up. Uh, a lot more to that too, right, Kyle? The fact that now they have the operator broker dealer, all new kinds of procedures, all new kinds of protocols, compliance, may or may not affect the user flows. Uh, There's definitely a lot of business activity that they're going to either give up or have to partner with new people or set up because they're just not allowed to do certain things all under one roof. The way that they're to get money in and out of the platform. How does that change up that that user experience or, or the underlying operations? That's tough to say. Um, but it is very, very interesting that it, it could be a ultimate result that Coinbase has to face. That it's like, well, if we want to keep doing business in the United States and we don't get our way in the courts, perhaps, this is it. This It basically results in just a lot of fines. And obviously, to your point, a huge change in business practice, which could be a huge liability for the company in the sense that they may lose a lot of their customers. They may lose a lot of their clients because of the fact that these clients may not be interested in working with a service that now has to fit in a very rigid structure. That being said, it also could offer benefits in the sense that there may be institutions that have not been interested in getting involved in this industry because of Mm -hmm. the regulatory issues that if they can, despite how difficult it might be, get into the goodwill and blessing of the SEC, perhaps that presents a different opportunity to work with traditional Wall Street companies like the ones that we cover here every week on the show that are doing issuances of securities on chain. Perhaps Coinbase could be one of those underlying brokers or tech platforms that provide. I want to come to their aid a little bit here and stand for them to say like they are, you know, they have openly said that they are trying to work with the SEC very much. So they're literally trying to go to the court to say the SEC is not trying to work with us as Coinbase. They sued first. Actually, they actually did. Right. So this is actually potentially, you know, a, a little bit on the fault of the SEC as well. So unlike with the Binance case, you know, Brian Armstrong, the CEO, he is not named in this. There's uh, no fraud. There's no fraud, right? We're just seeing a, let's call it, difference in philosophy. Sure. That due to a lack of clarity or potentially not from the SEC's perspective in the courts uh, and around this stuff, you know, they're they're just trying to figure out how can they do this the right way. But there is no fraud, like you said. There, The Coinbase is a publicly registered company that the SEC had to approve in order to allow that. So we're seeing, you know, just a good company trying to do things the right way, falling in potentially a a bad way to try to deal with the current structure that 
the the legal environment and the way everything is is set up with the SEC. It's but a let's real talk clash about the Titans. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's it's a it's a good story. It's one we 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 support. Uh, what's going on? Not always the case for their other end. Binance, yeah, this this feels FTXy to me. Um, what do you think? There's a lot of similarities with at least what the SEC is accusing Binance of, as what we saw with the FTX scandal. the The biggest problem, I think, and the biggest difference here is that a lot of the fraudulent misconduct that the SEC is claiming that Binance did is actually not as much about. Binance, the company specifically, as much as it is subsidiaries and outside actors that were supposed to be firewalled that were not, which results in commingling the funds and a lot of these kind of more fraudulent business practices. This is not what we see with Coinbase. Coinbase doesn't have trading firms that are actively manipulating these assets. They're not funneling assets outside of the exchange into other firms. They don't have offshore companies that are providing services that they know are not allowed in the U.S. They've been a primarily U.S. company from day one, and that actually, I think, plays to their benefit here. Or With Binance, there's a lot of issues around a company called BAM Trading, and I think a, a lot of shell companies there, so we, we don't have a ton of insight in the same way that, Bi or that FTX had hundreds of entities. And basically, the claim is that Binance is taking a lot of the cash and essentially wash trading it through using outside companies, blending a lot of the funds within the underlying holdings. And then, of course, they had this weird separation between Binance US and Binance International. And of course, as it's not incredibly shocking, they weren't actually firewalled appropriately. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a great way to put it. Of course, all allegedly, we're going to see this, this play out. But the the reality is, is it seems very much so like there is, you know, bad acting at play here, which is why in this case, CZ, founder and the CEO of Binance, not Binance US, this is technically there is a firewall, but as they have gone to demonstrate very clearly in their argument, the SEC doesn't really see that fire. They've got receipts. There's a lot of... <laughs> yeah, CZ is ultimately the, the one calling the shots at the end of the day. Um, and so, therefore, he's being named uh, personally. Lots of liability, possible jail time. Who knows? Again, just like we're seeing play out with SBF from FTX, this very much so could come into a similar situation. We're not seeing cease and desist. We're seeing a request to freeze assets yeah. of uh, Binance US, right? Very different situation uh, that's going on from Coinbase. So let's talk about what happens here. Well, when assets get frozen, especially when you're a custodian, when you're a pseudo bank, I know they would hate for me to say that, but a lot of these crypto companies, as we've talked about here on the show, do act a lot like what banks do. Whether or not they actually are or not is up for debate, but they certainly act similarly. Um, when assets get frozen, they're less liquid, which often causes hysteria, causes people to be you know, scared about the solvency of these platforms for good reason, probably. And not to mention, a lot of these firms are fractionalized in terms of their banking. So they don't have 100% of their assets on the platform at any given time. So if a big chunk of the assets that they do have access to get frozen, it can very quickly cause insolvency in the event that a lot of customers want to pull their cash out. We haven't yet seen that in Binance, which is actually pretty impressive because FTX collapsed almost immediately versus Binance has held okay, but we'll see how long this process takes. We know that court cases can take quite some time. And so there's a lot of different pieces here. So that's, I think the first step is that the frozen assets is a very different scenario than what we're seeing with Coinbase. No, I think that's spot on. And 
you know, I don't really want to go too down in the, the rabbit hole. I'm sure, you know, a lot of our viewers are already kind of getting the situation. We're trying to add a little different color here, but I think it's worth mentioning is the fact that unlike with Coinbase, again, publicly registered stock that people can participate in, and they were trying to do some staking activities, you know, very different from their Binance token that we see, the BNB token where some of this wash trading, some of this activity was actually yeah. subject to and part of the play. Very different because, again, Binance token, not a registered security uh, or acknowledged as such, uh, and possibly several violations there in itself, uh, which compounds the the problems that are, you know, actually present here in this Binance case with uh, the SEC, specifically Binance US. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, it's, it's worth mentioning that we probably won't see CZ in the U.S. anymore, given that he pretty much would probably be arrested immediately. <laughs> um, but uh, definitely, again, these are two very different stories. I think that's kind of what I want to leave, at least from my perspective. Yeah. What else you want to add? The final piece here is that while it the Binance case looks a lot like the FTX case with respect to the, the current facts that are put out there in the market, I do want to note there is one huge difference, and that's that Binance does a ton of volume and has a ton of international users. From the FTX side, it always kind of seemed like there wasn't a ton of real activity going on in the platform. And that's why everything drained out immediately. Whereas I do think it's interesting that Binance has represented a huge chunk of cryptocurrency trading globally for a long time. This is one of the longest actors. They have a ton of resources behind them. They have made a ton of money in the process. And I'm sure there are a huge amount of large actors that are supporting them and maintaining this process. So a lot of this may look suspicious. I think it is a little bit different with respect to they do have an actual operating business here, as opposed to in some of the other cases where it was more vaporware. So that could provide a different layer of scrutiny and certainly a different layer to this whole equation because there's a lot more resources and, and actual activity behind it. And look, in that event, we can expect something very similar as we just described with Coinbase, where Binance US will have to get the right licenses, put in the right protocols, disclosures. They actually, in that case, got a somewhat overlapping but separate list of securities right. that they were trading, supposedly, right? So... This would be a very similar story that could end up playing out because to, to Kyle's point, we're talking about arguably, I think, the largest cryptocurrency yep. exchange in the world. So this is definitely why we're saying that this is a big, big week uh, last that we saw last week with the SEC, uh, but two very different Two very different cases, Scott. Just as the Ripple case continues to loom over the industry and dozens of other law- lawsuits that are set to poise the future of blockchain, cryptocurrencies, and everything tokenization. And we're going to keep you here updated first. Uh, we can keep going on and on, but we got to end our show with the companies of the week right now. So hopefully you enjoyed. Hopefully you learned some new stuff, got some new insight. Uh, what's going on here? Of course, we want your questions, your feedback, your thoughts, maybe a, a suggestion on what main topic you want us to cover next. But in the meantime, Kyle, I want to hear about your company of the week. Let's do it. And diving into our final segment of the show, episode 192, we're talking about our companies of the week. This is two businesses. Herwig and I wanted to specifically shout out for doing some cool things in the industry and really give a highlight to innovation happening globally. So Herwig, how about you kick us off? Who's your company of the week this week? I got to nominate the fifth biggest bank Wow, MUFG, you're my company of the week. 
I'm watching you. You're making huge moves over there in Japan. Prognat, your blockchain solution, your tokenization solution uh, is getting real adoption by many, many players. And now you've announced something that just really gets me going. Like we saw about it earlier in the top five. Also, it's Swift exploring interoperability. And now MUFG has announced Prognat's issues platform will support natively bank-backed stable coins on multiple Public blockchains, they say Ethereum, Avalanche, Cosmos, and Polygon, probably more in the future, uh, that, that will now be supported for stable coins. And these are not just for MUFG to issue. It is for other trust banks to also be able to use this technology and create stable coins, which I think we've talked about it before on the show plenty of times, Kyle, but as we know, it is the foundation for security token markets. You need digital dollars in order to settle, clear 24-7, et cetera. Uh, so I believe MUFG is very strategically here building a technology for Japan's security token markets to really take uh, hold and flow. And so for that reason, Kyle, MUFG, Progmass Solution, you're my company of the week. It makes total, total sense. I think we've done main topics on multi-chain assets or cross-chain assets for years now. This obviously is where we're going to go, but it's hard to build those cross-chain communication layers. Fascinating to see Swift and MUFG tackling these same problems, which is great to see for the development of these markets. What about you? My winner this week is DeFactor Labs. This is the company based out of Luxembourg, or at least their issuances are based out of the Luxembourg jurisdiction. They are now doing a $100 million debt tokenization, looking at working with small to medium enterprises and taking a lot of their accounts receivable illiquid assets and creating debt behind it. This is something that we see small to medium enterprise lending. Now it can be tokenized, fractionalized and distributed around the world. I think this is really cool. They're working with Polygon and they've already done a $30 million test pilot of this issuance and net out $2 million that then they reinvested back into the ecosystem and the infrastructure that they're building. Now they're scaling that to over 100 million and they're working with some trusted players. Black Manta Capital Partners as their broker, somebody that we've had a good relationships with for quite some time, as well as Tokeny, one of the friends of the show as well, is doing a lot of the issuance through one of their ERC standards. Remember, Polygon is an Ethereum virtual machine, meaning that they can use all the Ethereum smart contract technology just on a different blockchain for improved scalability, speed, reduced costs, things like that. And so I think this is really cool. They're doing some awesome stuff. Wanted to shout out to Factor Labs for bringing tokenization to market. Uh, I think that's an absolutely great choice. Like you said, great set of partners, great mission, great traction already. And shout out to Tokeny, Success Network, uh, a partner member, fantastic. Uh, so yeah, I'd love to see more of that. It's a great choice uh, with the factor. I, I'm expecting them to do a lot more too. And with that, that's our show. Security Token Show episode 192. We're two episodes wet away from our four-year anniversary, people, and then only eight away from episode number 200. So please like, subscribe, share. As we know you do, we cross over 50,000 listens across our podcast episodes and tens of thousands more across YouTube. So thank you for everyone tuning in each week, and we'll talk to you next time. Happy tokenizing. Happy tokenizing.